It is, it is officially Christmas season. No one's excited about Christmas season, apparently. It's okay, no one else in the other services cheered either, so we're doing all right. Uh, the reason I say it's officially Christmas season uh, is because I know good and well that there are, are some of us in the room who you have had your tree up since November 1st, and your, your house has been decorated, you've already bought all your Christmas gifts, like you've been in Christmas mode since November 1st, uh, and you're driving your friends and family crazy, uh, but now it is officially acceptable for us just to kind of go Christmas crazy. I love Christmas, uh, one of my favorite times of year for, for many reasons. Obviously, uh, Jesus was born, and that's, that's a big thing. Uh, but other than that, we get to listen to some, some good Christmas music. Anybody excited about Christmas music? All right. Uh, it is the season of, of Christmas movies, which means that it's okay to watch Home Alone 1 and 2, uh, not so much 3. I don't know what was going on there. Uh, it's okay to watch uh, Elf and a Christmas Vacation. I'm not promoting that movie from stage, but I'm just saying the Griswold's got it going on. All right. And I, I want to throw out just a challenge uh, to all of our men in the room. If, if you want to make this Christmas season the best you've ever had, uh, I challenge you and I encourage you uh, to go to Starbucks, make sure no one's looking, and order a venti gingerbread latte, all right? It's going to require you to turn in your man card, maybe get your wife or your, your kids to order it for you, but I promise it is delicious, and you won't regret that decision. So, gingerbread latte, write it down in the sermon notes, because if there's one thing I want you to take away, it's gingerbread latte. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I uh, hope everyone's clothes still fit okay. Like mine were a little snug today. I'm not going to lie about that. And it was a rough one for me uh, because I am from Dallas, uh, and there was a game Thursday night, and my Cowboys ended up getting just trampled on. So any Cowboys haters, okay? And also, uh, my wife went to the University of Texas, and they ended up losing significantly also. So it was a sad day in the Jones house. And I heard there was a football game yesterday. How did that go? Yeah. I guess it depends on your, your team. Someday, for some of us, it was a good day. Some it was a, it was a bad day. Uh, in all seriousness, it's, it's going to be a great month here at Hope. I think uh, around Christmas time, people are just looking for a reason or an opportunity to come to church. Uh, and as a church, we just want to provide every opportunity for that. I know that you guys heard it in the announcements, but there's going to be student ministry programs and, and Jingle Jam, uh, 1001 Christmas Eve Eve services. Not literally 1001, but there's going to be a lot of them. Uh, and then we're going to start our Christmas series next week which is going to be great. Uh, but I wanted just to spend some time with you guys this morning, uh, taking a, a look back and just kind of reflecting back on Thanksgiving. Now, I know it's one thing uh, to say that we are thankful, right? It's easy to declare that and, and make that announcement in our lives, but it, it is something totally different to live that out. Do we, do we have uh, any Black Friday shoppers with us this morning? A couple of y'all that are willing to admit that. Well, we're glad you survived and glad you made it. Uh, I heard that we, that we spent, as Americans, $67 billion on Black Friday. $67 billion. And it's crazy to me that at Thanksgiving, uh, we spend a day or two with our families, uh, kind of going around and saying all the things that we're thankful for, uh, and then literally like midnight strikes, and we turn into like these evil monsters, all in hopes to save 50 bucks on a flat screen TV. It's crazy. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you uh, just a little bit about me, a little story about kind of how we came to be at Hope, and I'm going to pray, uh, and then we're going to get into our message. I, uh, I got married eight or nine months ago. Do the math. I think it was closer to nine than it was eight. I remember the date, ladies. Don't judge me. It was March 15th. Uh, I married my best friend, Mary Catherine, 
And uh, they say that good things come to those who wait, uh, and that is absolutely the case for me because, I don't know, I'm old and bald, and somehow I got to marry that lady. Uh, and together we have a massive dog named Samson Jones. He is 120 pounds of, of terror. I'm just kidding. He's the greatest dog in the world. But he will get white fur, like, all over the place all the time, and then he destroys our house. But we love him anyway. So we got married nine months ago. Uh, we're living in Dallas. Life was, was really, really good for us. I had a good job. I was kind of transferring from student ministry into college ministry. Uh, my wife was, was in sales at the time. We had a lot of really good friends, a lot of really good family. Uh, a family was close by, and, it, and if you have family that lives close by to you, sometimes that's a really good thing uh, when you need them for something, but then it can be a really bad thing when they just decide to do like the Saturday pop-in visit where they stay all day. So life was really good for us, and we were gearing up uh, for this past summer. We decided to go on a vacation, and, and being in ministry, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of money. So we chose to go to, to Denver, Colorado. And uh, we, weren't, we thought about flying, but we couldn't really afford that. And my wife got free gas with her car. So we said, we, we'll just drive. Uh, and I learned very quickly that, that men and women, we travel very differently, okay? Well, my, my thought of, of traveling to, to Colorado with my wife and my dog was like, let's just make this rugged. Uh, we were driving like a Chevy Lumina or a Cavalier, so it's kind of hard to make it rugged when you're in that car. But I wanted just to rough it. I wanted us to go and, and have a good time, and I wanted us to, to camp out, which was a terrible idea in Texas in the summer. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, my wife was very much like, well, let's stay like in a four- or five-star hotel. And so we just had different ideas of what this trip was going to be. So we're driving and we're cruising. Also learned that, that what we like to listen to in the car was also very much different. Uh, as a pastor, my preference was uh, to listen to maybe a sermon or two, uh, maybe some, some Christian music, throw on some Hillsong, uh, maybe some rock and roll from time to time. But my wife, on the other hand, uh, she wanted to listen to, uh, to, to love novels, which, was like, <laughs> all right, this is cool. And she wanted to, uh, to spend those 20 hours in the car uh, talking about our, our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings. <laughs> so it, it, was, it, was, it was a really great trip, but just not what I had intended. And so we're driving, and I, and I just ask her, hey, listen, you know, we got married a few months ago. Do you, do you like where we are? Do you like your job? Do you like being here in Texas? Are things well? Uh, and we both kind of said, yeah, I, I think so. I think everything's going okay. I said, well, on three, hypothetically, uh, if we could move anywhere in the U.S., where, where would you want to go? So I said, I'm going to count to three, one, two, three, and we're just going to say a place. So I said, one, two, three. And randomly enough, we both said North Carolina. Okay? Yeah. Uh, so we said North Carolina. I was like, well, that's weird. Oh, oh honey, why... Uh, why did you choose North Carolina? And she's like, well, you see, there is an author by the name of Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> and he writes these books. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, and they're all actually filmed in North Carolina. So I just think that that would be a, a great place to live. <laughs> said, okay, amen. Uh, and me... Being the, the pastor, and I don't know why a lot of times pastors, we, we feel like we have to over-spiritualize things. Uh, but I told her, well, you know, uh, I've just been thinking about it and praying about it. And God has really just laid the, the state of North Carolina on my heart. When reality was, I just knew that there were a lot of really nice golf courses here. <laughs> so that's, that's how that came to be. Well, 
We go on vacation. We had a great time. And, and I get back to work that next Monday. And there is an email in my inbox uh, asking if I would be interested in a college pastor job in, of all places, Raleigh, North Carolina. So I was like, wow. Like, what are the odds? Again, I didn't want to over-spiritualize it. Uh, so I kind of just blew it off. We were getting ready to go uh, kind of into our summer stuff. I'd worked hard to, to kind of build a ministry. So moving across the country just was not on my plate. But I, I began to pray about it. Uh, and then two weeks go by, and I get another email. And it kind of said, hey, I know that you didn't respond to this, but again, would you be interested? So I said, all right, this time I'm going to pursue it a little bit. Uh, I, so I checked out the church. Uh, I, I creeped and Facebook stalked and got on your website and all that stuff. Uh, and said, well, this is, this is a really big church, and this is a really big job. I don't know that I'm qualified for that, but I'm going to go ahead and apply anyway. And, and one thing led to another. I ended up having a couple Skype interviews. And then it came to the decision that they wanted to, to fly us out, and, and I didn't want to waste my time or their time. Um, but in the back of my mind, I was like, hey, another free vacation. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> so they flew us up. And, uh, and, I, and I honestly came into the visit here with every intention of saying no. Uh, let, me, let me find every reason to say no. Let me, let me pick the church apart. Let me pick the people apart. I know that every church has problems. Every church has issues. Well, I'm going to find this church's issues so that I can say no and that I can stay in our comfort zone back in Texas. When we got here, uh, and for starters, we flew out of Texas in the morning. It was like 110 degrees. Uh, and we got here, and it was like 75. So I was like, that's, that's a check mark to North Carolina for sure. Uh, and Texas is just big and flat. So we, we landed, and there are these trees everywhere, and there's green grass. I was like, what is this stuff? <laughs> Another check, North Carolina. But honestly, we came here, and, and we loved it. We loved, we loved the people. We loved the church. We loved everything that was going on. Uh, but selfishly, I, I just I wasn't there yet. I didn't, I didn't trust God enough to move away from everything that I, that I ever known. So I, I prayed, God, if, if, this is, if this is what you want for me, if this is what you want for our family, you have to make it crystal clear. You have to give me a sign. You have to give me something that this is where you want us. And so it was a Sunday morning. We're sitting at the Morrisville campus. We're, we're kind of waiting to, to kind of tour the facility. And I get out my phone to waste some time like probably most of us do. And I had this little Bible app, little Devo app on my phone. So I clicked on it, and this is what came up, if we have that. <laughs> hold on to hope. I'm not a genius here, but I think I asked for a sign. And it literally said, hold on to hope. So uh, I think that could be a yes. Well, we prayed about it. We went home and... Uh, just felt overwhelmingly clear that this is where, where God want, wants us to be. So we're excited just to, to play a small part in what God is doing at this church. I don't know if you feel it, but I just, I know that God has done a lot of great things in the past, but I just feel like the future for this church, um, I feel like God is going to do some special things. And so I'm just excited to play a small part in that. But I'll tell you guys that story for a couple reasons. Um, one, just to remind us this morning that, that God is unbelievably faithful. Whatever situation you're facing right now, whatever you're dealing with, whatever's going on in your life, we, we have a faithful God who very much so wants to be a part of our day-to-day -day life. And there's a, a verse in Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse 9 that says this. It says that in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So just be reminded this morning that, that God is working behind the scenes in your life. And that even though you might think that you're in control and, and you're doing things and you, you got everything under control, there is a massive God that is working behind the scenes in your life.
and he's faithful and he wants the best for us. So I'm going to pray and then we'll get going. I promise I'll have us out in an hour. You're like freaked out right now. Like, we haven't even done the intro. <laughs> God, we're, we're so thankful for today. Um, God, thankful for the fact that, that you are faithful and that you love us. Uh, I pray in these moments that I would um, become less, that you would become more. God, help us to be a church, a people. Um, God, who live for you. Lord, and just uh, reveal to us as we open up your word that, that, we're, that we're selfish a lot of times. And um, God, just reveal that sin in our lives and help us just to live a more Christ-like life. We love you. Uh, it's your name we pray these things. Amen. So I don't know what... What Thanksgiving is for you, for me and my family, it's always been a really big event. Uh, not just like our, our close family, but we invited like our whole family, like the crazy cousins that no one ever talks to that lives out of state. Uh, we had them come. Our whole family would always get together. And I love Thanksgiving just for the fact uh, that as a, I think every man's dream is to find a day in the year to wear sweatpants and watch football and, not, and no one can complain about it. And that's what Thanksgiving is, right? Uh, so for us, as a kid, I, I would always go around uh, to, to the men because I wanted to kind of, you know, chill with the guys. Uh, and here's what I found out, that they spent their time talking about the weather and talking about sports and politics and all these, and all these boring things. But more than anything, what, what they did was they complained about the women, okay? So that's what the men do. Uh, so I was like, well, this is, this is lame. I'm going to go hang out with the ladies. Uh, I'd go to the kitchen where, where the ladies were, were slaving away, and the, I came to find out that the ladies were spending their time just complaining about the men. Where are they? Why aren't they helping us cook? Why don't they help us clean? Why do we have to do all of this by ourselves? Can I get an amen, ladies? Amen. All right. I'm sorry, guys. So maybe, maybe here's the thing. Maybe us... Maybe my family complaining, it's not just my family. And, I, and I've realized that in my own life, I spend a lot, of, a lot of my time complaining about anything and everything. And maybe it's not just a me thing, maybe it's a, maybe it's a we thing. Maybe we, as a culture, are complainers. Instead of finding good in situations, we, we often uh, tend to point to what's bad, Right? And there's actually a, a website out there uh, that is called firstworldproblems.com. And what first world problems are is, is they're, not, they're not normal problems. Uh, they are problems that, that us as Americans face because uh, there are worldwide problems. We, we just kind of dealt with, the, you know, the Ebola situation, uh, which is not over. That's still a, an issue worldwide. Uh, there is, there's hunger. There is malnutrition. There are social injustices all across the world that are, that are real problems. But in America, we have our own set of problems. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show some of these with you. These are real problems from real people that would put out Facebook posts or tweets. Uh, and so this website would kind of go through and put them on a page. So I just want to share with these, share some of these with you and see if you can relate, all right? Number one, uh, my oldest son is watching the 50-inch TV. My youngest son is playing Xbox on the 45-inch TV. And my daughter is watching a Blu-ray on the 40-inch TV. So I have to watch TV on my iPad. The struggle is real in that house, y'all. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch Breaking Bad on their iPad. It's just not, it's not the same. And my question is, like, just spend some family time together, right? When, since when did we have, like, 12 TVs in our homes? I don't understand. But the struggle is real for, for whoever was dealing with that. Next up, my iPhone fell out of my pocket, and it cracked my iPad. That's called too much technology, and, and I get that that probably uh, costs a lot of money for whoever that happened to, but come on, that's not a real problem. I went to Starbucks, 
to get my gingerbread latte, uh, and they put cream on my latte. How hard is it to get an order right? Can I get an amen? If you're going to spend $17 on a cup of coffee, <laughs> the least Starbucks can do is get it right. And gentlemen, I'm telling you, don't, don't get cream on your latte. You're going to mess it up, all right? This is, a, this is a more of a holiday-specific one. I have no place to put my leftovers from dinner because I have too much food in my fridge. Again, the struggle is real. What are we going to do with all this leftover food? There are people across the world who don't have enough food, uh, and we're complaining, trying to figure out what to do with our leftover food. All right? This next one is great. I hate having too much cash in my wallet. It is hard to fold, and it hurts my butt when I sit down. Whoever was dealing with that, I would love to meet them on a back alley somewhere and and, end that problem for them. (laughs) It would help our Unleash campaign significantly, I'm sure. Uh, There was actually, years ago, a a Seinfeld episode uh, where George Costanza, um, he had, like, he carried, he kept all of his receipts, and so he couldn't fold his his wallet, and it literally caused, like, a spinal issue because he was having to sit at an awkward angle. So I can get that that could be a real problem that this person is facing. And last but not least... I attended or graduated from the University of North Carolina. Yeah. Honestly, I'm from Texas. I have not really picked my teams yet. Uh, So if any of you want to hook me up with tickets to the team of your choice, I'm cool with that. Whatever. So these are obviously first world problems. Uh, these, are, these are heightened. These are, these are extreme examples. And I don't want to be naive to the, the fact that that we came in here this morning with real things that we're battling with. Because we live in a, in a fallen, in a sinful, in a broken world, um, the fact of life is that sometimes life really is hard. And life really is tough. And so you came in this morning uh, battling something. Maybe, maybe your, your marriage is falling apart. Uh, maybe your, your job's not going the way you wanted it to. Maybe, maybe you don't have enough money in the bank to pay your bills and you have no idea how you're going to get through this holiday season. There's lots of things. Uh, unforeseen deaths, just, just a lot of stuff that we have to deal with that, that make life really difficult, make life really hard. But what I want to talk about this morning is, is as Christ followers, as believers in Jesus, what is our response when, when life goes wrong and when life goes bad and we battle situations that, that are tough? If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to look at a passage in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. And to kind of set this up, uh, Philippians is written by a guy named Paul. And uh, if you know anything about Paul, his life as a believer uh, was, was very, very difficult, very hard. And he's writing this um, from, from a cave because he had been arrested, he'd been persecuted, he'd been thrown in jail. Because he loved Jesus and he was trying to tell other people about Jesus. So I want to put that in context and help us understand that Paul is not off on some spiritual retreat in the mountains, uh, looking over a great view, kind of expressing how good God is. He's not on a beach somewhere. He's in a jail cell. And his situation and his circumstance was very, very tough. And he's writing this letter to to new believers to encourage them, to empower them, to equip them, and help them to live more like Jesus. And here's what Paul says, starting in verse 12. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, 
Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Here we are in verse 14. Do everything. Do everything. Not some things, not some of the time, not when we feel like it, not when it's convenient for us. But do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run and labor in vain. So as we read through those, it's a very challenging text. And if we take a moment and we just look back through Scripture, it's clear to see that for a lot of people who, who trusted in God and lived a godly life, faced a lot of hard times. I think of, I think of Job in the Old Testament. The guy was, was, was faithful and he was righteous and he loved God with all of his heart, but God allowed Satan to tempt him. And Job ended up literally losing everything that he had. He lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his possessions, he lost everything. And if you read Job, it's a great story because he wrestles with that, he battles with that. He doesn't just give up, he doesn't just throw his hands up, he wrestles with God. But at the end of the day, Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Not blessed be my possessions and my stuff and my comfort, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Clearly, the, the, the most obvious example of someone who struggled was Jesus. The fact that he, he left heaven to dwell amongst earth, to, to walk amongst sinners, uh, and he spent his life, it says that he often didn't have a place to sleep at night, he didn't have a place to stay, he was betrayed by his friends, and in the end he, he was murdered. And then we look at Paul. Paul, before he knew Jesus, Paul, before he knew God, uh, was known as Saul, and he had a, he had a great life. He had lots of money. He, he was well-liked. He had a great job. I, I, he killed Christians. I don't know that that's a great job. But, but he, he was popular. But then he, but then he had an encounter with God that changed his life. And the rest of his days were spent being persecuted and thrown in jail over and over and over again. But here's the thing. Clearly for Job, clearly for Jesus, clearly for Paul, it, it was all about perspective for them. Because they had an understanding that, that their situation, that their earthly situation, that, that Paul's jail cell, that, that the, the persecutions and the beatings and everything that they were going through were very, very, very temporary. But the work that God had done in their life was eternal. Paul understood that no matter what his earthly situation was, that God brought him from death into life. And his eternity was forever changed. And he wanted to live his life in a way that pointed other people to the cross, that pointed other people to Jesus. For us as, as believers, we have to understand that our situation here on earth is very, very, very temporary. So maybe you're thinking, well, what is, what is the big deal? Like if I complain from time to time, is it really that big of a deal? Like, traffic really stinks. My boss is really annoying. My family's just not. Who, is it really a big deal that I complain from time to time? 
And, I, and I, I'm here to tell you this morning that I, that I, I think it is. And here is why. I'm going to give you just kind of a, a few reasons why I think complaining and arguing and choosing to be negative, they can be harmful. Number one is this. The being thankful, it's just an act of obedience. Being thankful is an act of obedience towards God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says it like this. It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's, it's really as simple as that, that being thankful, being, having an attitude of gratitude is an act of obedience towards God. And when we think of obedience, when I think of obedience in my own life, a lot of times I think about the big things. Well, as long as I don't kill anyone and I don't cheat on my wife and I, and I tithe and I, and I do all these big things, then, I, then I'm doing okay. But I, I promise you, if I was to walk around the room and just pull every one of us and say, hey, let me ask you a question. Do you want to do the will of God? Most of us, hopefully, would, would say, yeah, I really do. Being thankful is an act of obedience towards God. Second thing is this. Our attitude towards situations or circumstances can either point people towards God or away from God. So the way that you live your life on a day-to-day -day basis, the way that you, your attitude is, the way that you treat your family, the way that you treat your coworkers. You either do one of two things. You either point people towards God or you point people away from God. We, we later go on to read in Philippians that because Paul acted the way that he did, because he was thankful and he thanked God for his situation, that everyone around him saw Paul and they said, man, I want what he has because he clearly has something different that, that I want. But when we spend our time just constantly complaining, number one, it, it's kind of annoying. It's just kind of annoying when you, you're the Debbie Downer all the time. But more than that, it, it, it's a reflection of who God is to you. If you spend your time and your, and your days and, and your energy just complaining all the time, and what does that say about the God who lives in you? Third thing is this. When we complain about our situation or circumstance, we're telling God that what he has for us isn't good enough. So if you complain about your family, your job, your, your finances, whatever it is, at the end of the day, what we're really saying is, God, what you've given to me isn't, it's not quite cutting it. It's not quite good enough. But I, I believe in that, that God is, is the giver of all things. That when you woke up today and you, you, you put on your clothes, you, you played with your kids, you got into your car, you sat in traffic, you went, whatever you did, and we are, we are existing fully by the grace of God. It is the grace of God that sustains us. And God is, is the giver of all things. So when we complain, we're, we're literally telling God, man, God, what you have for me, it's not cutting it. At this time last year, um, I had the privilege of, of traveling to Africa to work with, with an orphanage. Um, and if anyone ever has a chance or an opportunity to do that, I would highly encourage it. I know that it's probably not the safest place in the world to go right now. Um, but we worked with, with these, these group of orphans, and we would go there, and, and kind of our goal and desire and intention was just to go to, to love on them. Uh, we would do sports camps and vacation Bible schools and, and tell them about Jesus and just really spend our time and energy just kind of loving on them because they had, and most of them came from a rough situation. And while I was there, uh, I met a, a kid named Maxwell, who, who was a 12-year-old boy. There he is. Uh, 
He was just a stud. He spoke, at 12 years old, he spoke three languages. He spoke French, Swahili, and English. He was outgoing. He was sharp. He was bright. And since we were busy all the time, we really didn't get, a, get an opportunity to spend time with a lot of the kids. But one day I, I was having lunch with Maxwell, and God just kind of laid it on my heart. Man, get to, get to know this kid, kind of find out about his story. Uh, so I asked him, well, Maxwell, what's, um, you know, tell me, about, tell me about your life. Tell me about what, what's happened in your life. And, you know, tell me about your parents. And so he tells me, well, he was, he was born, um, and as soon as he was born, his, his, both of his parents uh, passed away from AIDS. So he, he never got to, to know his family. He never got to know his mom and his dad. To which, to me, um, like, broke my heart for him. You know, the kids lived his whole life, never, never known his parents. So I said, well, well who, who do you live with now? And so he goes on to tell me that he lives with, you know, with his grandparents, with his uh, grandma and granddad. So I said, well, that, you know, that's cool. Uh, my grandparents are great back in America. How, you know, how are your grandparents here? <clears throat> and he just kind of looked up and he said, well, it's, you know, it's not really good. Um, my granddad doesn't like me very much. And he, he, he beats me up a lot. And the only reason I live with him is because this organization gives them money to take care of me, but they don't, they don't really take care of me. So what about your grandma? She's like, well, she doesn't really care either. They're, they're just too busy for me. So I, I'm like, my heart is just breaking. So I was like, well... You know, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're outgoing. Clearly, clearly you like school, right? And he just looked up and was like, well, I love going to school, but, but here's the deal. I have to walk a couple miles back and forth every day. And, and a lot of times I don't, I don't get to eat. And a lot of times I only have like one shoe. I don't have enough clothing. And then he went on to tell me that there's a group of guys in his neighborhood that, that, that pick on him every day and steal from him and beat him up. And so, he, so he's telling me this stuff, man, and my heart's just like ready to, to break. Because I'm thinking about my life and everything that I complain about. So as he's telling me this, he, he's telling me with a smile on his face. I'm like, dude, Max, why, like seriously, why are you smiling? You just told me this story it's heartbreaking. You told me that your parents died and your grandparents don't like you and you get beat up every day. So why are you smiling? And he looked up and he just said, well, that's because God loves me and that's enough for me. He got it. As a 12-year-old boy, he got that God was enough for him. And that no matter what he faced, no matter what he endured, no matter what he went through, his situation was temporary. But the fact that there was a God in heaven who loved him, who rescued him, was enough for him. And I know that story's heavy, but I think it just helps put things into perspective for us. That whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're battling, it is temporary. But we can rejoice in the fact that once we were dead and now we've been made alive in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to spend my life telling that story. And as we read in Philippians, I think the world needs to hear that story. That's why Paul says, when you live your life, no matter what you're doing, do all things without complaining 
or disputing, so that you can shine like stars amongst a crooked and perverse generation. Whatever you're dealing with, I promise you that God is with you. God is faithful. Your situation is temporary. Eternity is forever. Let's pray. God, thank you for grace and love and mercy. God, the fact that you have rescued us, you have redeemed us, you have made us your own, you call us your children. But God, also just be with us as we live life on earth and, and as we struggle and we battle situations. Remind us of the fact that you are forever with us and you are forever faithful. And help us to be a group of people who love you with all of our heart. And a group of people that, that shine like stars amongst the crooked and perverse generation. We love you. Let us rejoice in the love that you have for us. And let that be enough. It's in your name I pray all these things. Amen. I thank you guys for letting me spend some time with you this morning. Sorry for uh, making you cry if I made you cry. I was trying to lock it up up here, but I was having a tough time. So I apologize for that. <laughs> Can you guys let Wes know how much you appreciate him? Yeah. Yeah. I sincerely love this guy, him and his wife, Mary Catherine. I'm excited to do ministry with you for years ahead and can't wait to see what God does through the college ministry, man. Um, I did get you a gingerbread latte out back, but I, I left it back there. And then here's Donnie. She's, uh, is this a ball convention? What's going on up here? Thought I missed the memo. Hey, we all shop at the same barber. Yeah, we do. Hey, listen, we're going to get you guys out of here. Don't forget our Christmas series starts next week. If you are new to Hope, we've got a big red tent out there. We would love to meet you. We've got a free gift for you, Starbucks gift card. You can use it. Latte, for I'm telling a gingerbread latte. A gingerbread latte. We love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas. You are dismissed. <laughs>